Blog Talk Radio. Research scientist Nicole. It's Sunday, March 3rd of 2024. Today we are talking about the marriage supper prophecy. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. This is the documentary John the Revelator was shown that details the Battle of Armageddon. That's right, today we're talking about the Battle of Armageddon. The war to end all wars. We're going to start with the last scene that he was shown. So what am I talking about? In the book of Revelation, we learn that the book of Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ to the entire world. That unveiling happens when he returns to participate in the marriage of the Lamb, that's the first resurrection. It continues with the marriage supper of the Lamb, which you're going to hear today, is the Battle of Armageddon. The Marriage Supper documentary was one of 12 documentaries John the Revelator was shown in heaven. Maybe you're like me and you're looking forward to going to the movies because you want to watch the next movie in the Planet of the Apes series. So I'm looking forward in May of 2024 to going to the movie so I can watch a movie, Moving Pictures with Sound, about the kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now, more important than watching a movie for entertainment purposes, was what John the Revelator experienced. He watched Moving Pictures with Sound, a documentary about soon-coming realities. He watched 12 documentaries, one after the other. He watched first the first trumpets, the, excuse me, He watched first the Seven Seals documentary. Then he watched the Seven Trumpets documentary. Then he watched the 1,260 Days documentary. Then he watched the 666 Antichrist documentary. What am I talking about? Beginning with verse 1 of chapter 5, the angel of the Lord noted in Revelation chapter 1, the angel of the Lord assigned by Jesus Christ to show John the Revelator things to come, did so after Jesus Christ called him up to heaven. That's Revelation chapter 4. He was called up to heaven. He was supernaturally transported to heaven. And when he got there, he was in a location. He describes that location, what he saw and what he heard. And then it was time for him to engage in the activity the activity that was on the agenda for his heavenly visit. So he wasn't in heaven to look at his mansion. He wasn't in heaven to uh, fellowship with his deceased loved ones. He wasn't in heaven to get a tour of uh, the throne room. He was in heaven to watch documentaries about the end of the age, documentaries about the events leading up, To the second coming of Jesus Christ, those events that include the second coming of Jesus Christ and key events following the second coming of Jesus Christ. So an angel of the Lord shows him these documentaries, and the documentary that we're going to hear today is the Marriage Supper documentary. Now, he didn't have the benefit of your cell phone or my laptop or someone else's video camera. So he was not able 
to record electronically the documentary that he was shown. And it's referred to as a vision, but it wasn't a night vision and it wasn't a day vision. It was an external vision to himself. So it existed outside of him, and they were moving pictures with sound. This is why I'm referring to the visions that the angel showed him as documentaries because that's the vernacular that we use today. So he watches these documentaries, and the ninth documentary is the Marriage Supper documentary. And this documentary is the most detailed account in the entire book of Revelation of the Battle of Armageddon. Now, if we were to make 12 documentaries about your life, we might choose uh, an artistic approach that would allow us to really highlight the key events. What do I mean by that? A simple approach would simply be to divide your life into chronological periods and show uh, 12 documentaries, maybe the first from the time you were born until age 5, and then the second from age 5 to age 10, and then the third from age 11, and, and so forth like that, right? But that might not really allow others to get a good sense of the key events in your life. And so a producer a director, a writer might generate documentaries where certain events overlap, but the key story, the key focus of each documentary is unique. So what am I saying? That's what we see in the book of Revelation. Each documentary John the Revelator was shown has its own focus, but sometimes, oftentimes, Events that are shown in great detail in another documentary are mentioned only briefly in this documentary. Let me give you a quick example. So we're about to hear the most detailed account of the Battle of Armageddon, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21, the Marriage Supper prophecy, but the Battle of Armageddon is mentioned at the end of the Earth Reap prophecy, in Revelation chapter 14, it says, And the blood flowed for 180 miles and was as high as a horse's bridle. What blood? The blood that is shed at the Battle of Armageddon. So that's, it's mentioned elsewhere. So uh, let's get to the Battle of Armageddon. We're going to start with the very last scene John the Revelator was shown. Revelation Chapter 19, verses 20 to 21, this is what happens. Uh, let's start with verse 21. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 21, this is what happens to all of the individuals who are there in the armies sent by the nations of the world. So today we have... Uh, various organizations, and, um, you know, I, I don't want to get too um, political, uh, given some of the things that are going on. Let me say it this way. At this time in the soon coming future, the nations of the world, many of them will be in a ten-nation alliance. That's referenced in Daniel chapter 7. And in Revelation chapter 13, the 666 Antichrist prophecy, when the Antichrist decides that he is going to take out, he's going to take out the nation of Israel, he's going to have the armies of the allied nations to come with him, to meet him, uh, so that they can follow his instructions, which will focus on uh, taking over Israel so that he can uh, achieve his aims, which, of course, his aims are those of his team lead, who is Satan. So what's going to happen to the people 
who have left their nations and they've traveled clear across the world and find themselves in Israel being led into battle, the Battle of Armageddon, uh, led, being led into ba- to battle by the Antichrist, here's what's going to happen to them. This is the very last verse of Revelation chapter 19, verse 21. This is the end of the documentary on the Battle of Armageddon. It says, their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. So two key events here. The entire army, so this will be, uh, the entire army is comprised of armies from many nations who 100% are killed. They're killed by a weapon. This weapon is... Uh, a two-edged sword. Now, it's not described here as two-edged, but we see elsewhere uh, in descriptions of the Battle of Armageddon that it's two-edged. But it says here, they're killed by a sharp sword, and this is a sword that extends from the mouth of Jesus Christ. So we're going to hear in an earlier scene that the person riding the white horse is Jesus Christ. Now, this is different from the person riding the white horse in the seven seals prophecy, right? In Revelation chapter 6. So, so this is a different event. This is a different person. Um, here, this is Jesus Christ. So the first thing we learned at the end is that Jesus kills all of the enemies of Israel. In other words, all of the people in these attacking armies, just like he said he was going to do in Joel, just like he said he was going to do, uh, just like it's reported that he's going to do in, in many places in the Bible. And then the second key thing is this. And the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. Now notice that this prophecy is the marriage supper prophecy. What does it mean? When Jesus Christ returns at the second coming, there are two key events. There's the marriage of the Lamb and the marriage supper. The marriage of the Lamb is the first resurrection. The marriage supper of the Lamb is the cleanup plan that God has in place post-Battle of Armageddon. So in other words, this is not a supper where the saints are going to dine with Jesus Christ. This is a supper where, quote, reading from the Bible directly, and the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. Now you might say, um, you know, research scientists, this this isn't what I want to hear. Don't let, don't let ideas that you want to have prevent you from receiving the knowledge that God wants you to have. In other words, we go to the Bible and we hear the word of God to renew our minds, to inform our thinking, to educate us about what is true from God's perspective. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm 100% persuaded that God is smarter than me. God is smarter than me, and I'm guessing that he's smarter than you too. Now, what does he say here? The vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. So this is the supper. This is the banquet. So it's not a banquet for any other uh, being except for the vultures. Now, let's see what happened in the scene immediately prior to this. Verses 19 to 20. This is the scene where we're at the Battle of Armageddon. So there are two verses that describe exactly what happens at the Battle of Armageddon. Verses 19 and 20. These are the most detailed verses of that described the Battle of Armageddon in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 19, verses 19 and 20. So we're going to see the event. We're, we're on the earth. Here it is. Verse 19 says, 
Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. Let's pause there. So verse 19 is telling us, it's giving us a picture of what's going to happen. The beast, this is referring to the Antichrist. The Antichrist and the kings of the world and their armies, they're all there. Where? In Israel. For what purpose? To fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. Who's that? The one sitting on the horse, which we hear in several places, is a white horse. That's Jesus Christ. And what's or, or who comprises the army of uh, Jesus Christ? Um, Jesus Christ and his army. So these are people who are coming with Jesus Christ from heaven. We're going to hear that in an earlier scene. But right now, we're right there at the Battle of Armageddon. So on one side, there's Team Satan, led by Satan's quarterback, the Antichrist. And all his players, who are his players? Kings of the world and their armies, they're all there on their side on this present earth in Israel. On the other side, Team God, his quarterback, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is there with all his players, the armies of heaven. Now, what happens? What happens? Verse 20, and the beast was captured. Now, you say, that that was fast. It sure is. We don't get a blow-by-blow. We're not told whether this takes um, 18 seconds, 65 seconds, uh, two hours. It appears that it happens very quickly, but um, Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh it's not going to take him very long to do whatever it is he wants to do. And so we are told there they both are, the quarterback for God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the quarterback for Satan, the Antichrist. And then the very the very next thing we're told, and the beast was captured. So the Antichrist is defeated. Let's keep going. And with him, the false prophet. So the Antichrist and the false prophet, the Antichrist and the leader of the one world religion. So during the Great Tribulation, that will last 1,260 days. That's 42 months. That's uh, a time, times and half a time, three and a half years. The Antichrist, and the false prophet will work in tandem. The Antichrist will be the head for the one world government. And the false prophet will be the head of the one world religion, the harlot church. Here at the Battle of Armageddon, both of them are present and they are both captured. So Satan's key leaders, so we have the unholy trinity. Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. So his two key leaders are captured at the Battle of Armageddon. It says, verse 20 of chapter 19, And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So here, this scripture confirms what we have seen already in the 666 Antichrist uh, documentary, Revelation chapter 13, that the false prophet is going to perform real miracles uh, using the power, the supernatural power of Satan. He's going to... um, He's going to lead everyone to accept the mark of the beast either on the individual's forehead or right hand. He's going to 
commission a statue of the Antichrist, and he's going to instruct people to worship the statue. Okay, so that's in Revelation chapter 13. So this is already noted in the 666 Antichrist uh, documentary, but it's mentioned here again uh, about what the false prophet did, and maybe that's to uh, help folks understand why the false prophet is going to Gehenna. What's Gehenna? Gehenna is the lake of fire that burns with sulfur forever and ever. God has five enemies, and all five of God's enemies are going to be destroyed by Jesus Christ. When the fifth and final enemy is destroyed, God the Father transitions this earth to a new earth, and he relocates his home from present heaven to the new earth. But he can't do that. He won't do that until every evil entity, every evil person, everything that has any evil in it, it until it's destroyed. And what's God's strategy for destroying evil? His strategy is to place that evil thing, that evil person, into Gehenna. That's a lake of fire, separated from God forever, tortured uh, forever uh, by being separated from God in a place that burns with fire and brimstone. So the first two enemies of God who go to Gehenna, that's the lake of fire, that's the second death, are the Antichrist and the false prophet. And, um, yeah, that's that scene. Let's go to what happens right before this. So what happens uh, in this documentary before the Antichrist and the false prophet are captured. Okay. Now we're going to go to verses 17 to 18. Many people like to focus on the fact that God is love. And indeed, um, God is a loving God. But God is also a God of justice. And those who are the enemies of God ultimately face his justice. They will not mock God without having a consequence that matches the deliberateness of their actions. What am I saying? God returns first to conduct the marriage of the Lamb. That's the first resurrection where every person who has loved God, every person who has uh, repented of his or her sins and said, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. I, I hate that I have sinned. I want to turn my back on that. I am turning my back on that. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Every person who follows Jesus Christ. Now, if you follow Jesus Christ, what does that mean? That means you read his word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. So if somebody is not reading the word of God, so if they're not hearing it via an audio, via an audio Bible or reading it, I find it very hard to believe that the person is following Jesus Christ find it very hard to believe. Now, you say, well, I'm following my pastor, or I'm following my imam, or I'm following my teacher. Now, God sends teachers and pastors and prophets and evangelists. How do you know your teacher or your pastor or your prophet or your evangelist is preaching the word of God? You know that because you're in the Word, and you can compare what he or she is saying to what you are reading. So you need both. You need both. You need both. You need the Word of God. Now, what happened immediately before the Battle of Armageddon? An instruction went out. So there's the marriage of the Lamb. 
That's the first resurrection. And then there's the marriage supper, which is God's cleanup plan for the Battle of Armageddon. God starts with an act of love, bringing all his children into an incorruptible, perfected, glorified body, just like the one Jesus Christ is in now. That's an act of love. So every person whose first tent has worn out, and that person's in a heavenly body in heaven right now, is an act of love. God brings that person with him to this present earth, and he causes supernaturally that person's body to be knit together again. But this time, instead of the body being knit together in the individual's mother's womb, it's knit together right out in the open, and there are no DNA errors. Right now, our body carries the DNA errors as a result of the transgressions of our foremothers and forefathers. Maybe, folks, you never even met, right? You can go back to the third or fourth generation. Even the atheists who are medical doctors understand this uh, principle noted in the Bible that the sins of the father um, go forward to the third and fourth generation. Even the atheists of the world understand this. Every time you go to see a medical doctor, they say, well, does this run in your family? Does that run in your family? Why? As the Bible says, the sins of the father go forth to the third and even the fourth generation. But as an act of love, As an act of love, God is going to give you, truth seeker and saint. Every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life is going to put on a perfect body. I'm talking about a body that will cause you to be able to rise up in the air at will, a body where your hair is going to be glorious and wonderful. You're going to have perfect eyesight, all ten toes, all ten fingers are going to be there, everything in correct proportion, no back pain, no arthritis, no mental torment, no physiological distress. That is coming to every believer. It is going to be your reality for not uh, 50 years or 500 years. That's going to be your reality forever and ever to the end of time and then beyond all time. It's going to be your reality until the end of time after the first resurrection and then beyond all time. You might say, research scientists, what's beyond all time? When we transition to the new earth, we are beyond all time. We're in eternity future. So in uh, Peter, it talks about the end of the world is coming. Time is running out. How is it that you say, how can time run out? Time is forever. No, time isn't forever. God is forever. Time exists within God. Time is not forever. God is forever. Time exists within God, and he tells us that we are going beyond all time with him on the new earth. We're going to inhabit our perfected, glorified, immortal, incorruptible bodies. You know, I was watching, uh, I was watching, I think it was YouTube or maybe Amazon Prime, and they had a show called The Immortals. I did not watch that program, but I thought about that, the the reality that there's something in most of us that yearns for immortality. We understand that death is cruel, that death is cruel. And are you glad to know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, it says, and the last enemy he destroys will be death. Who's that? Jesus Christ. That's the last enemy he's going to be destroyed, and it's described in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, the dead judge prophecy. But let us stay here where we are, talking about the marriage supper. So as an act of love, 
We have the marriage of the Lamb. That's the first resurrection. That's described. Its prophecy is Revelation chapter uh, 14, verses 6 to the end. That's the earth reap prophecy. And then as an act of justice, the second act that Jesus Christ Re, uh, the second act that Jesus Christ performs when he returns, the first is an act of love. The second, the battle of Armageddon, is an act of vengeance, an act of justice. It says here in the marriage supper prophecy that he is waging a war in righteousness. That's the battle of Armageddon. So people want to say God is love. But here we are seeing Jesus Christ, who's that God manifest in the flesh, the Son of God and the Son of Man. We're seeing Jesus Christ kill the enemies of God. Someone is an enemy of God, that person is an enemy of good. That person has yielded himself, that person has yielded herself to Satan, and that act, that act dooms the person to the consequences, the consequences associated with that evil act. Now, there's an instruction given. There's an instruction given prior to the Battle of Armageddon for those who are assigned as part of the cleanup plan to get in place. Kind of like if you, uh, if you were going to perform, when I was a kid I was on drill team. So we'd go out and we had to get in place before the show would start. So our team lead would say, okay, go get in your places And so at the Battle of Armageddon, those who are tasked with cleaning up the 180 miles, the 180 miles of blood filled with flesh, various types of flesh, 180 miles long, and as high as a horse's bridle, I read that that's approximately five feet he tells them to get in place. An angel tells them to get in place. Let's hear it. Uh, verses 17 and 18. This is the scene immediately prior to the commencement, prior to the beginning of the Battle of Armageddon, those who are tasked with uh, participating in the cleanup plan, who are on the cleanup committee for the Battle of Armageddon, here's the instruction that they're given. Verses 17 and 18 of chapter 19. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Now notice the angel is shouting to who or what? It says shouting to the vultures. It doesn't say shouting to the saints. It doesn't say shouting to God's people. It doesn't say shouting to uh, any person or persons. It's, it's very specific. And what does the angel shout? Verse 17, it says, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Now, why are they gathering together? They're gathering together because this is a banquet for them. The vultures are the cleanup committee for the Battle of Armageddon. Somebody's got to clean that stuff up. God is a God of order. So not only does he have a plan to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon, he has a plan to clean up the aftermath, to clean up that carnage that's going to be there, 180 miles. Now, let's continue. Verse 18 says, Come and eat the flesh of kings. Generals and strong warriors of horses and their riders and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Now we heard at the end of this 
that 100% of the individuals in these armies, that they are going to die. So their bodies are going to be there. There's going to be blood flowing. And also all of those who, who were in the army who were specifically on horses, those horses will also be slaughtered uh, during the Battle of Armageddon. Now, you might say, well, I don't agree with that. We're not going to debate what is. We're going to make sure we understand what is going to happen and why. So every evil thing, every person, every animal that's under the leadership of the Antichrist, who is under the leadership of Satan, all of those living beings will lose their lives. That includes the animals, and that includes the human beings who are in the armies. Now, what has happened before the cleanup committee? What happened before the cleanup committee was given their instruction? Before the cleanup committee was given their instruction, Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven they were standing in heaven. And so we're literally going to hear how Jesus Christ is in heaven. He has on his uh he has on his uh wardrobe, his outfit for war. We're going to hear a description of the weapon that he will be using during the Battle of Armageddon. And we're going to hear many verses that confirm the identity of the rider of the white horse, who again is Jesus Christ. So let's hear it, verses 11 to 16 of chapter 19. So Jesus Christ is in heaven. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If the first resurrection happens, and that's an act of love, and then the second act is an act of justice, the Battle of Armageddon, isn't Jesus Christ already here on the earth? And the answer to that question is no. So you might recall in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that we're told that when he returns, those of us who are here, our bodies are going to transition to an incorruptible body in a blink of an eye, and those who return with Jesus they're literally going to descend in their heavenly bodies and their incorruptible bodies are going to rise up and they're going to slide into it. They're going to put it on. But both both groups, whichever group you're in, both groups are going to rise up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds. He doesn't descend to meet us on the earth. We rise up to meet him in the clouds. I believe in Revelation chapter 15, the first few verses, it shows that after we rise up to meet him in the clouds, we continue rising with him to meet him in heaven, and there we remain as the seven final plagues are poured out on this present earth. After the seven final plagues are poured out on this earth, then it's time for the Battle of Armageddon, and we return with Jesus Christ for the Battle of Armageddon. You're going to hear that in the first, uh, the first scene of this prophecy. Okay, so Jesus Christ is in heaven. Let's hear it, verses 11 to 16. This is before the Battle of Armageddon, before the angel gives the instruction uh, to the cleanup committee for the Battle of Armageddon. It says, then I saw heaven opened. So this is John the Revelator speaking to you and to me. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes, so this is describing Jesus Christ, and we were just told, he wages a righteous war. That's the war that he's coming to wage right now. And here's a description of Jesus Christ. His eyes were like flames of fire, 
And on his head were many crowns. Let's pause there for a second. Sometimes people get confused and they think that the rider on the white horse in Revelation 19 is the same as the rider in the white horse in uh, Revelation chapter uh, 6. The uh, Notice that this rider wears many crowns, but the rider of the white horse in the seven seals prophecy, he wears only one crown. He wears only one crown. So uh, two different individuals and two different events being described. Okay, let's stay here. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. Let's pause there for a second. So this wine press, is referenced here in the marriage supper prophecy, but also in the earth reap prophecy. So the wine press is a metaphor. So it refers to the blood that flows when the two-edged sword extends from the mouth of Jesus Christ at the Battle of Armageddon. So whose blood is flowing the blood of all of the individuals who are in the armies led by the Antichrist. Okay, so um, grapes, grapes uh, have a, a they they make wine from grapes using a wine press and they squeeze, 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 and the grapes are no more, but you, you have all of the juice that has flowed. So God is using this as a uh, metaphor in the Bible, and we see it, it refers specifically to the blood, right? So if you were doing, um, if you had red grapes, and you were doing a wine press, it would flow like that. God is saying it's going to be just like when when they use that wine press with the with the red grapes and it comes out that color, it's going to be just like that. That's how easily Jesus Christ is going to destroy what appears to be an extremely powerful uh, army. Think about the fact that there are going to be millions of people in this army. Many, many nations will have sent their best troops to go with the Antichrist and the false prophet to take out Israel. But the blood is going to flow like a wine press. Then it says in verse 16, on his robe, talking about the robe of Jesus Christ that's dipped in blood, on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. So here it's very clear that the rider of the white horse is Jesus Christ. He descends from heaven riding the white horse and following him are the armies of heaven. That's in verse 14. And they are wearing the finest of pure white linen and they're also on white horses. So they're all on white horses. We can see why um, they had John Wayne on the white horse. Uh, he's supposed to be the good guy, uh, and why they have uh, others on another color horse using this description from the Bible of uh, the Battle of Armageddon. We're literally going to see good versus evil on this present earth. Okay, now what happened before, before Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven were standing there in heaven and then 
descending, uh, traveling literally um, using their chosen mode of transportation, that those are horses that they're choosing to ride on, they're leaving heaven and they're coming to earth. Um, what happened before that? Before that, two things happen. Let's go to... Verses 9 and 10. So talking about the Battle of Armageddon, an angel has some uh, words of information for John the Revelator. And John shares with us his response to uh, the angel talking to him. Verses 9 and 10 of chapter 19, here it is. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Let's pause there. Now, who's invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb? In other words, who is invited to actually see the vultures feast on the flesh, enemies of God, who were in the armies led by the Antichrist? Who is blessed because he or she is invited to witness this? Then the angel says, and he added, then John the Revelator says, and he added, these are true words that come from God. So we're going to hear in the first scene that those who are invited to the wedding feast are God's holy people. Who are God's holy people? Everyone whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So being in the armies of heaven I don't believe that that's the same thing as being invited, right? We don't have a perfect explanation of this here, but I believe an invitation is separate. This is referring to God's people being witnesses, and that's separate from those individuals who are actually commissioned to be in the armies of heaven. I can't say that for sure, but that's my perception. Let's go to verse 10. John the Revelator says, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, No, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Now, this is very interesting. Why do we need these documentaries? And because John the Revelator wrote them down on paper, we refer to them as prophecies, and we're told right here, these prophecies give a clear witness for Jesus. They are revealing that Jesus Christ is coming back that there will be a war waged in righteousness, that the Antichrist will not rule and reign forever, but he is coming to a swift end, and that end will happen in Israel at the Battle of Armageddon, at the hands of Jesus Christ when that two-edged sword extends from his mouth and uh, his armies are all going to be destroyed, and he's going to be captured along with the false prophet. Now, Let's go to the very first scene in the Marriage Supper Prophecy, the very first scene, uh, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 9. Now, this is going to tell us about participation in the Battle of Armageddon. In other words, the reality that you are invited. If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, Lamb's Book of Life you are invited to the Battle of Armageddon. Now, here's where it says that in Scripture. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 8. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. Okay, so, so far, we hear that there are many, many voices, so many, it sounds like uh, 
the shout of a vast crowd. And what are they saying? I believe that this is you and me. We are saying with our other brothers and sisters in Christ, praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. So what does that mean? It's time. It's game time. It's time for the war to end all wars. It's time for the battle of Armageddon. Then what does it say? And his bride has prepared herself. Who's the bride of the Lamb? The bride of the Lamb is every Christian who participated in the first resurrection. So remember, the marriage of the Lamb is when Jesus Christ gets his forever family in tangible bodies. So everyone who is in Christ who has already died, they're with Jesus right now in heaven. But Jesus has on his perfected, glorified, incorruptible, immortal body, but everyone in Christ in heaven except for Jesus and God the Father, they're in their heavenly bodies. They're awaiting the opportunity, the timing of the marriage of the Lamb. When Jesus Christ returns, those of us who are in Christ, we put on our incorruptible bodies. We transition to it in the blink of an eye. They put on their bodies, which uh, supernaturally are knit together right in the open air. Their bodies rise up like um, a homing device. They will go straight to their specific body. They'll put it on. It'll be like a body they've already had, except they'll look better than they, they ever looked. They'll feel better than they have ever felt, and that's the same for you. That's the same for you. Now, let's continue. It says, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. So what are you wearing to the Battle of Armageddon? Your outfit is white. You're wearing a white outfit, and it's made of, we're told right here, fine linen. And it says, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. You know, God remembers your good deeds. He remembers your good deeds. Now, your good deeds don't qualify you for heaven, but God values them. Only the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to pay sin debt, right? Jesus Christ is the only mediator between man and God the Father, but your good deeds matter to God. And so it says here, every person who participates in the first, resurrection that's the marriage of the lamb has a white outfit and we are wearing our white linen outfit to the battle of armageddon now you might say well are you sure let's go back for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb the wedding feast later it's referred to as the wedding banquet and again, as the wedding feast, some translations refer to it as the marriage supper. And remember, the vultures are told to come for this great banquet that's being prepared. And the, this documentary ends with saying, and the vultures gorge themselves on the dead bodies. So this is going to be a celebration. Why? Because the Antichrist will be gone forever. The false prophet, the final pope, will be gone forever. These uh, these armies that were there to take out Israel, they'll be gone forever. So this is an exciting time. It's the second key event that happens at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, we have heard all of the key scenes We've heard every scripture in the marriage supper documentary. Let's summarize. So we started at the end and made our way to the beginning. Now we're going to go from the beginning to the end briefly. In the very first scene, the very first scene of the marriage supper documentary, an angel of the Lord 
the very first scene, John the Revelator hears all of the saints shouting, uh, praise the Lord. And we announce that it's time for the wedding feast of the Lamb. That means it's time for the Battle of Armageddon and its cleanup. And uh, in this same first scene, we're told that all of the saints, every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the Bride of Christ is ready. We all we all have on our white outfit. We all have on our white linen outfit. Then in the next scene, verses 9 and 10 of chapter 19, um, an angel confirms to John the Revelator, every person who's invited to this wedding feast is blessed. And then he says, these are true words that come from God. Then in the third scene, we're given a description of Jesus Christ in heaven and the armies of heaven. They are standing there, and we're told that then the armies follow Jesus Christ, follow him uh, where? From heaven to this present earth. Okay, that's verses 7 to 16. Then in the next scene, the cleanup committee for the Battle of Armageddon, the cleanup committee, so the cleanup committee is important because the marriage supper is actually a supper for the cleanup committee. It's a wedding banquet. In verse 17, it says it's a great banquet God has prepared. It's for the vultures. They are the cleanup committee for the Battle of Armageddon. And the vultures actually receive a verbal instruction from an angel of the Lord. Those are in verses 17 and 18. In the next scene, the second to the last scene, the Battle of Armageddon is described on one side we have uh we have the quarterback for uh God's team that's Jesus Christ and then on the other side we have the quarterback for Satan that's the antichrist both quarterbacks have their teams with them the antichrist has uh armies of this world Jesus Christ has the armies of heaven and then uh in the same scene the Antichrist and the false prophet are captured, and uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown in the lake of fire. That all happens in one scene very quickly, verses uh, 19 and 20. Then in the very last scene, all of the people who remain, so all of the people in the armies of the Antichrist, they lose their lives. Now, when they lose their lives, they don't go to... Gehenna, because they have a right to participate in a court proceeding. So they're actually going to participate in the great white throne judgment. So they die. They lose their lives. And, of course, any person who dies not in Christ, that individual descends to um, a prison of darkness. They have a a place reserved for them uh, underneath the earth in Hades called Hades they go uh it's like a a temporary a temporary prison Uh, why do I say it's temporary because at the end of the first thousand years of Jesus Christ they're resurrected they participate in what John the Revelator refers to as another resurrection in Revelation 20 verses 4 and 5 Uh, but ultimately they do go to the lake of fire but only after their case is heard so in the very last scene here though all of those who were in the armies led by the Antichrist, a sharp sword extends from the mouth of Jesus Christ and it kills them. And um, they descend to Hades, uh, their soul, in other words, their mind, will, and emotions perfectly intact, their spirit perfectly intact, and they descend uh, straight to a prison of darkness in Hades, Um, And here on the earth, what happens to their dead bodies, which remain, and it says, um, and the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. So that is the marriage supper prophecy. It is the most detailed account of the Battle of Armageddon in the book of Revelation. Uh, The Battle of Armageddon is described uh, many places in the Bible. For example, um, it's described in Ezekiel. It's described in Revelation uh, chapter 14. It's described in uh, 
uh, Zechariah. It's described in Joel. I'm amazed as I um, listen to the Bible. I'm I'm amazed at what's on God's mind. In other words, um, he is talking about the reality of the Battle of Armageddon over and over and over again. And when you think about it, it is 50% of of what he identifies as key actions at the second coming of Jesus Christ. So the first resurrection, a key activity, um, certainly that's extremely exciting for every believer. Finally, you'll live in a pain-free body. Finally, you'll be with every every loved one, your every grandmother, grandfather, father, mother, sister, brother, son, daughter, niece, nephew, husband, wife. You'll be with every person in Christ from that point forward forever and ever. We will all be in our perfected, glorified bodies. This is very, very important. The marriage of the Lamb. Now, why is it called a marriage? So a marriage in God's conceptualization of marriage, it's forever. It says, what what God has put together, let no man put asunder. So when we participate as the bride of Christ, in the marriage of the Lamb, we will forever be with our God, Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. We will never be separated from Jesus again. Right now, Jesus Christ is in present heaven and we're in present earth. We're separated. We're separated. But when we get married, we'll never, ever be separated from Jesus Christ again. And when the Battle of Armageddon is fought, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Antichrist will never, ever, ever torture a Christian again. He will never, ever torture uh, – he will never, ever uh, bring distress to Israel again. Now, he's going to try – uh, he's not going to try. Satan's going to try. So the Antichrist will be destroyed. He, he will never um, be able to commit an act of war against God or against the saints again. So these are exciting events. I'm so excited for us to continue analysis and discussion of the Battle of Armageddon. Do you have a comment about the Battle of Armageddon or a question about the Battle of Armageddon? If you do, would you call during the live uh, internet broadcast it's every sunday at 12 noon texas time and 1 p.m eastern time and on thursdays at 8 p.m eastern time that 7 p.m texas time and our phone number for this program is one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. You can call on our pgm phone number that's one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. you can text to the PGN text number, it goes to Prophet Randy Chandler. That PGN text number is one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. Okay, so I don't see any hands raised. Uh, if you like to call in, please uh, get your call in so we can hear from you, um, hear your perspectives, your commentary, uh, receive your question. Uh, any of those things are, are things that are uh, part of the scope of this program. would love to hear from you. Uh, very excited about what God is doing on PGN and doing uh, with this program. We're going to be talking about the Battle of Armageddon uh, during, the month, during the month of March. So every program in the month of March will be about the Marriage Supper Prophecy, looking at it from different angles, talking about uh, its connection to different scriptures in the Bible, and, of course, uh, revealing the secrets that God uh, has revealed to us about the book of Revelation. So thank you so much for being with me and with us. If you haven't done so yet, 
I encourage you, according to Jeremiah 33, 3, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. Until next time, friend and truth seeker, God bless you.